We've got a debut mock draft for a mock draft Monday. That's the focus of today's TDN Daily. And welcome into the Monday edition of the TDN Daily Podcast. Chris Schuber back with you here once again on the show. Hope everyone is having a great start to their week. Hope everybody had a great weekend. Hello to everybody on the YouTube channel. Hello to everybody in the podcast feed. It is another mock draft Monday here on the show and a very special one because I woke up this morning getting ready to do prep for the show and I saw the latest mock draft over at the draftnetwork.com and I knew that that's probably what we were going to do we love reacting to these mock drafts we love to hear the banter about certain players certain picks what teams are going to do and I woke up to a tweet from my friend and co-worker Jack McKessie that said that this was his first ever mock draft, full-fledged, making all the picks mock draft for the Draft Network. And I said, you know what? We got to do this. We got to get this on the YouTube channel. We got to get this in the podcast feed. This has to be the subject of conversation today. So we are going to, we're going to be nice to Jack. We're not, it's just for the, you know, the first time doing this, all 31 picks. We're going to be nice to him, but we have the same parameters uh, that we had when we did this last week. My surprise pick. My favorite pick, and I got to tell you, Jack, the list very long in the favorites category. I got three things that really stood out to me. I do have a least favorite pick, and as always, for those of you watching the show live on YouTube, your thoughts as well as we do this. So should be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it uh, very much. But we will start by uh, discussing the quarterbacks because that leads into the surprise. So uh, five quarterbacks go in the first round for Jack in this mock draft. And he's in the chat, by the way, so maybe we'll get some live reactions from Jack. Maybe he can expand on his thought process as we do this. But C.J. Stroud, number one to the Carolina Panthers. Bryce Young, number three. I won't tell you to what team yet, but that's going to be part of this as well. Will Levis, number four to the Indianapolis Colts. Anthony Richardson, number five to the Seattle Seahawks. And the pick that comes in is my surprise. And again, this is not a negative surprise. I would actually classify this as a positive surprise. Hendon Hooker draws in to the first round of the 2023 mock draft here uh, from Jack McKessie, going number 19 to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I will tell you, I really like this. Tampa is a team that I think we would flirt with the idea of where they could start to entertain the idea of Hendon Hooker falling in to the first round. Again, there are question marks about the age. There are question marks about the injury. If the injury wasn't a big deal, I think we would firmly be talking about Hendon Hooker as a first-round quarterback. And so to see him maybe start to get the buzz, maybe the train to start to leave the station a little bit in the context of him being a first-round pick— I'm on board with this. Uh, there are questions about the scheme. There are questions about the offense. We've talked about this. We just did a film study on him in the TD and Premium Discord. Uh, those concerns are not gone here. But if you are a team that likes uh, Hendon Hooker and you think he is a guy that you want to get in your building, I'm not so sure you're going to be able to sit around and wait until the back half of the second round or potentially into round three, right? I don't know how far into day two Hendon Hooker uh, will make it. Again, if he was healthy, we'd be talking about this guy as a, I think, a surely first-round quarterback with the way that he played last year. Again, probably would have been in the Heisman conversation, uh, and the hype would probably be even higher uh, if he would have been able to finish out the season. Again, ended on a bit of a, a down note with the injury, and then concerns about when he would be able to play next season. But there appeared to be some positive signs in that regard, and I certainly think that this is a really nice fit. Braden points it out in the chat, but I think this is uh, a underrated part of this. It's a perfect division for Hendon Hooker to go to for where he is at, right? This is a division that 
teams are still trying to figure themselves out. I know the Saints signed Derek Carr, but they're still trying to find their identity. Uh, Carolina makes a selection at the quarterback spot in this draft, right? They go up, and, and with the number one overall pick, they take C.J. Stroud, right? So you have two teams in the division. You have the Saints still trying to figure it out. The Falcons don't take a quarterback in this draft. They're going to run year two with Desmond Ritter. There's no pressure really for Tampa to 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 play hand and hooker right away. Baker can be kind of a transitional quarterback. It's kind of what the role I thought he was going to be in, albeit just with a different team in my free agency predictions. So I I like this a lot. So a surprise that that Jack was able to find a spot for him. I do like the fit. I do like the pick. Um, and again, I'm starting to really start to believe that this is a um a possibility. Uh, of Hendon Hooker drawing himself into the first round. Michael, I see your question uh, about Baltimore and Odell Beckham Jr. We will get to that uh, at the end, but I just want you to know that I see it and we are filing it away. Okay, we will now dive into my favorite things about this mock draft, and there are three. Jack, you got three things that I define as my favorite things about this about this mock draft. We have to go all the way up to pick number three. You have the Arizona Cardinals trading out of number three, and I think it's important to understand uh, the the context here. Will Anderson goes number two to Houston. So let's just check that box right away, and let's hear on the show a give a warm TDN Daily round of applause to Jack McKessie, who is also a member of the Houston should not draft a quarterback number two overall camp, okay? So we welcome Jack into the fold. We welcome him into the team, and he says, you know what, Chris? It's my first ever mock draft. I'm going to make the case in front of everybody. They're not ready to draft a quarterback. We're not going to draft a quarterback. We're going to take Will Anderson Jr. at number two overall. So first of all, we love that because we love any continuation of the idea that Houston should not draft a quarterback because they are set up for success if they with all the draft picks that they, they have to be able to build out this roster and next year potentially take a quarterback if they feel that they're a little more ready. I will say part of my master plan for Houston did include potentially trading back into the first round to get Hunt and Hooker, so him going to Tampa Bay kind of ruins that a little bit, but I still think you can keep the course. I still think you can keep this trajectory, and you drafted potentially the best edge rusher in this class at number two overall. You can't really complain. But now we take that a step further because now Arizona's on the clock at number three, and the guy everybody thinks, and he's currently the betting favorite from a non-quarterback perspective, to be the number three overall pick. If you go look at any of the the betting markets, when you look at the player to be picked with the number three overall pick, there's still a quarterback favorite. I think Anthony Richardson was the favorite the last time I checked. But the top non-quarterback option was Will Anderson. So now Arizona's sitting at number three, and that's what that meant, that Arizona would stay in the spot and pick Will Anderson. But now Will Anderson's not on the board. But Bryce Young is. Bryce Young is on the board, and we've talked about this, that this type of deal for Arizona on would have to occur on draft night for the number three overall pick, that they will not move this pick ahead of time because teams are going to want to see if one of the quarterbacks falls, which one it is, and if it's Bryce Young, there could be multiple teams that want to get up. Well, in this case, there is a team that does want to get up, and that team is the Tennessee Titans. There's an existing relationship here, which makes it pretty easier to work through. I've talked about this on past shows, that that Arizona is doing the legwork. They are having these conversations with teams. They know that if a certain quarterback prospect falls, they know who might be willing to pick up the phone and finalize the deal to move up to pick number three, right? They're not. These cold calls are not going to start on draft night. These conversations are already having frameworks are being put in place. Monty Austin Ford is asking around the league to teams that are calling and saying, hey, if Bryce is available, would you be interested in moving up? What would you be interested in giving up? Those conversations are taking place. You wouldn't be doing a good job as a general manager if you didn't have that level of framework in place. So 
The clock starts for Arizona. Will Anderson's off the board, but Bryce Young is on the board. Well, the phone starts to ring, and it's a familiar area code. It's a familiar number to Monty Ford because it's the number, it's the area code in which he used to work. It's the Tennessee Titans on the phone. They want to move up to get Bryce Young. And I got to tell you, love this for Tennessee to go up and get a quarterback, but I love this. The reason why he hits the favorite. Jack, is because this trade package for Arizona, they should they don't throw championship parades here in this state because they don't win a lot of championships. They should throw a championship-level parade for this type of draft haul. So they do a pick swap. It's 3 for 11, so the Cardinals are picking 11. By the way, they take Nolan Smith with that pick at number 11. But to me, it's everything else that they get. It's the 2024 first-round pick. It's a 2024 third-round pick. And it's a 2025 first-round pick. So in order to move up eight spots to get Bryce Young, the Cardinals added a first-round pick in each of the next two draft classes, in 24 and 25. Meaning, Monty Ford, who's now starting his campaign as the general manager of the Arizona Cardinals, has two first-round picks in 2024 and in 2025. That's an A-plus effort. That is a win. Yeah, you move down eight spots. Yeah, maybe you miss on an opportunity to draft a Tyree Wilson. But you now have given yourself four first-round picks over the next two draft classes after this one. That is setting yourself up. We talk about it all the time on this show. It is a belief that I truly have. You don't have to use all of those picks, but the more draft picks you have, the more top-end capital that you have, the more top 64 picks that you have, you are then a major player in any potential situation that could arise. A player wants to get traded. A player gives a trade request. uh, A team can't agree to a contract with the player, so they need to move on from him. You are now at the forefront. You are now atop the pecking order and being able to strike. You just saw what the Chicago Bears were able to do with the number one overall pick. They turned the number one overall pick into a whole host of things and DJ Moore. Guess what? They continue to have draft selections that they can use moving forward if they want to be able to add other pieces if opportunities present themselves. Opportunity is the key word. We talk about it all the time when it comes to this. The Arizona Cardinals created a ton of opportunity for themselves. They kept themselves in a good range to be able to make a pick at pick number 11. They get a good player in Nolan Smith, and it is a very, very good selection uh, for Arizona and a great trade overall. Rule asks me a genuine question. Could Arizona explore double trade back? I think they would explore. Du- so I don't want to give you a half answer here or a non-answer. I do think they will explore double trade back if they were to trade back once. It just depends on the way the board falls, right? In this mock, Jack gives them Nolan Smith. If they love Nolan Smith, then they're going to take him, right? But if they don't have an edge on the board or a position of need on the board that truly stands out as value for the pick, then yeah, they could export another trade back. But I will answer your question with not a rhetorical question, but I will, a- I will answer it with a question. That would require, we talk about this all the time, it takes two to tango. They need somebody willing to come up. What player are people coming up for? What big-name player, what big-time prospect is going to be there at 11 that they're going to want to move up for? That another team is going to be interested in giving up draft capital to move up for? That's the other part of the question. Arizona could explore whatever they want, and they should explore whatever they want. But you need somebody that's willing to come up in order to make the pick. But for Arizona to move from 3 to 11 to still get an edge rusher at 11 and add two extra firsts, they add a third in next year's draft. I mean, you want to talk about having top end picks. If you're pick, if you got the more picks you can have on day one and day two, you're going to add impact players to your football team. So I love this for Arizona. I think they did a great job. They probably got a little bit more than I was initially anticipating, but uh, Jack, home run, 100 percent here. I, I'm on board with this. I would love uh, this trade package. The third piece 
to our favorites category. So we talked about Houston taking Will Anderson Jr. and and foregoing taking a quarterback. That was pick number two. We talked about pick number three and what Arizona was able to do. Well, we got to scroll all the way down. And, and let me, I don't know if there are any in the chat, but where are my Detroit Lions fans at? Because at pick number 18, if you pull this off, if you get a top five, top three, potentially the best player in this draft class, all the way at pick number 18, if you get B. John Robinson running back out of Texas with pick number 18, you we talked about Arizona throwing a parade. You should be head over heels. You should be giddy at what your team was able to accomplish. So at pick number six, they take Jalen Carter to help with the interior. They then at pick number 18, get B. John Robinson to help their offense. I mean, Detroit, what more could you want with your two picks? Each side of the ball addressed, top-end talent at both positions. This is a win-win. And again, you're right, Joey Two-Bits, hashtag our Detroit Lions, drafting the best offensive player. It's exactly how it should go, Braden. You're 100% correct. We love this selection. We love this. Now, I know they signed David Montgomery, and I know they you know, still have DeAndre Swift. I am not going to allow DeAndre Swift and David Montgomery stop me from drafting the best offensive player in this class. I am not going to stop those two players to stop me. I'm not going to let those players stop me from drafting a difference maker at a, a, at a good position. Jamison Williams, Amon Ross St. Brown, B. John Robinson, the young offensive nucleus for this team. I mean, what are we doing here? Braid wants to wrap up the NFC North right now. Um, I, I'll, I'll pump the brakes a little bit because we did this last year with hashtag our Lions. They almost surprised us and made the playoffs. But you've got a very, very good young nucleus there that doesn't include bringing back Marvin Jones. It doesn't include DeAndre Swift and David Montgomery, who we've talked about. I really would love for them to add a tight end to add to their passing attack on day two, potentially. But I, I, I can't sit up here and say, oh, bad pick. You took, you took the best offensive player in the class at, at 18. Oh, how could you do that? I got to tell you, if this was the Baltimore Ravens doing this, we would talk about, oh, draft good players. That's what you do. Baltimore did it again, right? Well, let's give that same respect to the Detroit Lions, who've done exactly that. They've drafted a good player at pick number 18, while all these other teams just go to the wayside. And they just they passed on Bijan. Okay. It's a great point, Michael. Darnell Washington will be a great round two selection here. I hope Jack's taking notes here because he's going to do a round two of this later on this week. Would be a great fit for what they want to do. Can help blocking in the running game. It's a great uh, addition to the to the passing option. Doesn't need to be the top option with, with J-Mo and Amon Ross St. Brown. Could be a really nice option as a rookie for the Detroit Lions. We would like that quite a bit. See somebody asking what pick was made for the Bears. I will read it to you. Miles Murphy was the selection at number nine. So you trade out at number one, you get that entire haul, and you get an edge rusher. Ah, see, Jack's already ahead of the head of the head of the game there, Michael. He's ahead of the game there, Michael. He knows what he knows. He knows what he's doing. So those are the three things that I defined as my favorite. Now we get to the part the part of the show where I have to the point that I would like to make here where I have to talk about my least favorite thing. And I'm sorry, Jack. I'm sorry that I have to do this to you because we've heaped a lot of praise on you. you, you great pick with Hendon Hooker, the trade package for Arizona, Will Anderson, Bijan. We love it all. We, we thought those things were great. But we have to scroll down here to pick number 13 and the New York football Jets 
selecting Peter Skaronsky, offensive tackle from Northwestern. And here is my reasoning for this being my least favorite pick. Do not want Peter Skaronsky on the New York Jets. There is a lot of thought about the idea that Peter Skaronsky, not really going to be able to play tackle, is going to have to kick inside the guard. Well, the Jets are going to have Mekhi Becton back. He's probably going to play left tackle, if I had to guess. I mean, uh, Dwayne Brown's going to be back. I, I, I think he's going to play. I think he played left tackle. If Makai's going to play, he's going to battle with Dwayne on the left side or he's going to take the right side for Max Mitchell. So you got those three guys competing for the tackle spot for the New York Jets. And you guys know what I'm going to do here. I'm going to go to my, my my trusty favorite website here. Third, third, the draftnetwork.com is one. Playoff predictors two. Third, overthecap.com. It's in the three spot. I had to make sure that we didn't miss a, a website there. We're, we're going to go to the New York Jets uh, cap situation. Because Dwayne Brown's probably going to be the left tackle, ba- battle with Mackay Becton. Mackay's also probably going to try to battle for or, or battle for that right side with Max Mitchell. Interior, you got Elijah Vera Tucker, who's probably going to be able to be good to go after coming back from his injury, and Lakin Tomlinson. And in Jack's write-up for this pick, he says... Mackay Becton will return and likely slide in at left tackle, but the Jets could use an upgrade at left guard after Lakin Tomlinson struggles in 2022. Now, I agree that Lakin Tomlinson struggled in 2022, was not the player that he was in San Francisco, was not the player that the Jets signed to that contract when they signed him to a three-year, $40 million contract last offseason. Was not that player. But the contract... $10.8 million against the cap this season. It's got a base salary of $4.6 million in guaranteed money. I'm not so sure they're going to sideline Lake Tomlinson because they restructured his contract this offseason. They could have. They could have just cut him. And it would have been a bit of a dead cap hit, but they would have saved some money against the cap and they would have been able to, able to start over. I'm not so sure because they kept him around and because they did the restructure that he's not going to be penciled in maybe written in pen as the left guard. So to me, if the Jets are drafting Peter Skaronsky to solely be help on the interior, I have a problem with it because I think they need more help on the exterior. Dwayne Brown's about 100 years old. You can't rely on Mekhi Becton. You asked Max Mitchell, who was, what, a fifth-round pick a year ago, who was not supposed to play at all. You asked him to play a ton. The tackle is where uh, the spot that I think they need to address. Now, they, they, they're not able to take, uh, I mean, uh, Broderick Jones on the board, Paris Johnson on the board. I would like both of those players over Peter Skaronsky in that spot, right? That, to me, is would be my issue. Is that I think they need to tackle more than they need somebody on the interior, and the thing that I would do is draft either Broderick Jones or uh, Paris Johnson because they were all available when the, when the Jets pick at 13. Michael says, keeps seeing Skaronsky over the other tackles despite questions of his ability to be tackled. Length concerns. Is it because people believe in his tackle ability or is he just that much better? It's a great question and I think the that, that answer is going to depend uh, based on the team. I'm sure there are some teams that believe that, hey, he can play tackle for us. He can play tackle for us in our system. And there are probably other teams that believe he's just that much better as an offensive line prospect that they'd be willing to get him into their building and and see what position ultimately uh, he's going to play for them. So it it just depends. Um, But I don't like that because, again, I think the Jets need more help on the outside. And if the idea with the Skaronsky pick is you're going to kick him inside to replace Lakin Tomlinson, 
I, you still have the same problem on the outside that I think exists because relying on Max Mitchell, Mackay Becton, and Dwayne Brown to make up two your two tackle spots is a bit of a question for me. And I do think they'll address it, and 13 is probably a good spot to do it. And the way the board falls in this draft, there are some big names available. It's not like Paris Johnson went ahead. Uh, the entire tackle class is available at the Jets' disposal there at 13. Uh, Peter Skaronsky would, would surprise me to be the pick. Now, maybe that, uh, maybe that could be... Uh, you know, those words could come back to haunt me in a couple of weeks, but we'll see. Uh, your questions here on the show. Raul says, I can see Houston not going quarterback, but I would assume that Young, like their likely choice of quarterback, is taken at number one. I also agree that it is more likely that Houston will pass on a quarterback at number two if Bryce is the pick at number one. I think in this scenario where Bryce is available, I think it's going to be very, very difficult for um very, very difficult for Houston to pass if they have Bryce as their QB1. Because, again, if they have Bryce as their QB1, they think he's an otherworldly talent. I, I, I'm not going to I'm not gonna complain that they did that, right? I'm not. I'm, even though I'm a firm believer in that they shouldn't take a quarterback, that they can wait, uh, mainly because I'm not a huge fan of anybody in this, this quarterback draft class overall. But if they see it differently, if they see Bryce differently than I do and Bryce is their QB1 and he's available, I can't fault them for taking him if they believe that they've got their answer at the position for the next decade, right? You, you, I'm not going to fault the team for doing that. But yes, I would agree with you that I think it's it's more likely that they will go non-quarterback if Bryce is taken at number one because all of the, the stuff that we're hearing is that Bryce is the guy that they like. Uh, any other questions that we have here before we wrap up the, the show here? Um about this mock thoughts that you'd like to have other picks you'd like me to discuss. We will, we will open the floor here at the end of the show. Jack says taking him at 13 was a little ambitious with the possibility that he's a guard for the jets, but we'll see how the Makai Becton situation pans out. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be the big thing. I mean, Makai, Makai's thing is availability, right? It's been injured each of the last couple of years. It stopped his ability uh, to be on the field for them. But when he was out there and he was healthy, he was a good player. I just think the jets after two seasons in which he has not been able to be counted on, can't really count on him. Um, as a legitimate um, figurehead. And I think it's the left tackle position is Dwayne's to lose. Makai has to beat him for it. Um, I think Makai's more than likely going to draw the right tackle assignment, if I had to guess, because that's where he was going to go a year ago. I don't know how many people recognize this, but Makai Becton was, was not going to be the left tackle last year before he got hurt. He was competing to go be on the right tackle spot. Um, you know, George Fant, Dwayne Brown, uh, that, I mean, he was not going to be uh, the left tackle. Of course, Rahul wants me to discuss Indy's pick of Levis over Richardson. I know that pains you. I know that pains you. Um, I mean, those are the two upside guys, right? We talked about the buckets within the buckets. Anthony Richardson on the rise in terms – what's up, Sam? Uh, Anthony Richardson on the rise in terms of his stock. Uh, Will Levis kind of on a downward trajectory. We talked about the buckets within the buckets last week when we did this. Um, yeah, I mean, Rahul, I know you love Anthony Richardson. and He's on the board. You, you'd run the card in for him, but like – can, I, I can't blame Indy for taking either of the two quarterbacks that are left in that bucket. You're betting on higher upside. That's what you're betting on with those players. So I'm not gonna not gonna pick hairs. I like Will a lot. Um, I know that's an unpopular opinion. I like Will. I think he's gonna thrive at the next level. But I'm not gonna. You want Anthony Richardson? Okay. Uh, Brayden says just thinking of wide receivers in Jim Nagy's comment today. And for those who maybe didn't see it, Jim said. Uh, I'm you know paraphrasing here, but that there you know there's not a lot of buzz around this wide receiver group amongst NFL execs, and the one thing that he keeps hearing uh, that is probably going to go pretty early: Jackson, Fifth, and Jigba. Um, do you think teams will still take three to four in round one, like Jack has, given the weaker class at the position compared to recent years? Well, Jack did the thing, so he 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 had Jackson, Smith, and Jigba wide receiver one to Houston. 
He then did the Zay Flowers thing as wide receiver two at 15. And then I, I thought I was going to be angry with Jack. I thought I was going to be upset that he wasn't going to have my guy in there. But then he had Quentin, Quentin Johnson, 23. And then just at the last possible second, the definition of a buzzer beater, the definition of a buzzer beater, he snuck Jordan Addison in to the Kansas City Chiefs with the last pick in the first round, who I think is just not getting – Just we've just forgotten about Jordan Addison. Just completely forgotten. Um, but to, to your actual question, Braden – um, I, I still think we see three. Three is the number that I talked about. I think we talked about this on Friday. Somebody asked me. Um, I forget who it was, but somebody asked me how many wide receivers I think go in the first round. Three was the number that I threw out there. I still feel pretty comfortable with three. I mean, J- Jack had four in this in this mock, and he didn't have Josh Downs, who could potentially have some buzz. He didn't have Jalen Hyatt, who at times has had some first-round buzz. Like He didn't have those two names. So you've got the four plus the two that I just mentioned. Gives you a pool of six that I think could see their name called. Um, so to me, I'll split the difference, and I'll cut it in half and say three pretty strongly uh, will, be the, uh, will be the number that go in the first round that I will set. Uh, appreciate everybody making this show a part of your day. If you're listening on the podcast feed, we would love it if you would rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. We've got a big week of content planned for you here. If you're listening to the podcast feed, you want to come hang hang, uh, hang out with us over on the YouTube portion of things, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time over on the Draft Network YouTube channel. Go over there, subscribe. You'll get And if you turn on the, uh, the notifications bell, you will get notified when we go live every day, a little bit before 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. You get the pre-show shenanigans. You get the recording of the show that you're listening to now. And then you get to be a part of the post show where we talk about everything. The show continues beyond just the recording of the podcast. So you're going to want to make, you're going to want to stop by. Uh, we do have a lot of fun there in the post show as well. So appreciate everybody in the podcast feed making this show a part of your day. I hope everybody has a great rest of their Monday. I'll talk to you all tomorrow.